How are you all? This, uh, this, fr- this Sunday evening service has been really good. Um, I was out of town uh, for about a month, so I wasn't here for most of, the, most of the evening services, but I was able to go back on a, on a bike ride yesterday and listen to a couple of them. Uh, it was funny, I listened to last week's Matt Deaton's. His was on resting, and mine tonight is, is focused on working, which is kind of funny that we went back to back like that. And then uh, one that I thought was really, really good was Robbie Hughes about a month ago. Uh, if you all haven't listened to that, y'all need to go back and listen to that. A part of me wanted to come up here tonight and just say everything that Robbie said, ditto, because I thought that was a really, really good sermon. Uh, I agree with everything that he, he says, and in so many ways, my heart is right there with him. Uh, he preached a lot about missions when he preached from Revelation Um, But that's not my favorite verse. My favorite verse is Colossians 3.23. Uh, I'm gonna go on a limb here and say that most of you all, when you think of Drew Dillman, what do you all think about? What's the first thing? What's the one word that pops in your head when you think about me? Yeah, bicycles. So it it, it makes plenty of sense that uh, somehow I have made my favorite verse in the Bible also about bicycles, and I'll explain that a little bit more. Uh, but bikes have been really important to me. Um, I grew up, my mom was working in a bike shop most of my life until high school. Uh, I, I got my first real mountain bike when I was 10 years old. Uh, I was really good friends with one of the mechanics at my mom's bike shop that she was working at, and so he took me out riding all the time. My mom was taking me all over the place to, to race bikes. I ended up going to, to college on a cycling scholarship, which is pretty unheard of, but there's a school up in Indianapolis. I graduated from there. Um, I majored in cycling and minored in business. Uh, some of the, some of the, which is a joke. I actually majored in business. Um, some of my, my best friends throughout college was made were made because we were on the cycling team together. And so cycling has been huge. And, and even if you look right back there, my wife, we met after four years of, of racing together as teammates on a cycling team. But what a lot of you all might not know is that uh, God actually used cycling to lead me to him. I actually became a Christian through cycling. Um, in high school, I got on a, on a team here in Louisville called Red Zone Cycling. The captain of the team, his name was John Haley. Uh, him and his family were Christians. If you all remember about a year ago at our wedding, my best man, Luke, uh, that was his son. And so me and his son ended up being best friends. Um, and I spent a lot of time around them. They, were, they would pray with me. We'd pray before we ate. And so I started to realize, like, wow, they're a lot different than some of the other families I know. And eventually, uh, Mr. Haley and Luke got me my first Bible. They picked me up from high school one day. We went to go get lunch at a, at a Popeye's chicken. They, they showed me a version of the Romans Road. Uh, they, they talked about Romans 3.23 and what, what sin was and how that affected my relationship with God. But then they also turned over to Romans 6.23, which shows that, that Jesus, uh, through his sacrifice, has, has paid the price of my sin, and now I can have a relationship with God because of the gift that he gives us. And it was that day that I put my faith in Christ. And so in many ways, cycling has been huge in my life. And so when I read Colossians 3.23, which is my favorite verse, it has been for as long as I can remember, probably the first verse I had memorized it, it's talking about bike racing. So let's, let's read it. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And, and the version that was in the Bible that Mr. Haley gave me in high school actually says it this way, which is how I 
prefer to memorize it is whatever you do, do enthusiastically as something done for the Lord and not for men. And so uh, when, I, when I hear that verse, I think amen. And I, and I think back at times where me and Luke would pray before bike racing and, and I would often pray something similar to that verse and he would often pray whether first or 50th, may we go out there and do it for the glory of God. And so this verse was, was, was something that I was, I'd get pumped up about it when I read this verse and would, would think, man, I wanna be the best bike racer I can and I wanna do it for God. And I wonder if you all do that when you, when you, when you look at a verse like this, do you, do you instinctively think, man, I wanna be the best mom for, for, for God. I wanna be the best lawyer. I wanna be the, the best pastor, the best police officer. You name it, I wanna be the best at that for God which is easy for us to do because as Christians, this verse automatically, we can almost automatically apply this verse to ourselves. We think we want to do whatever it is we do at work or um, in our lives. We wanna do that for God. We wanna do all things for God. But this, this verse doesn't apply for all people. And, and I want to explain that a little bit. Um, one of my favorite quotes is by Abraham Lincoln. I have it written at the, I have a page in my Bible that has, quotes all over it, and this is, this is on there somewhere. Uh, it says, Abraham Lincoln is known for saying, whatever you are, be a good one, uh, which is really good. It's simple, profound, it's really deep. Uh, Abraham Lincoln did a lot in his life, so for him to say something like that is really deep. And in many ways, I think, man, I wanna, I wanna be that. Whatever I am, I wanna be a good one. Uh, but there's a big difference between that and what, what we see in this, in this passage. Lincoln left out the most important part. For us, the most important part is that we are doing it for the Lord. And Lincoln leaves that out. It, it kind of falls flat because uh, where Lincoln is saying, be good at whatever you do, he kind of, it stops there. And so a lot of people who aren't Christians can read that quote by Abraham Lincoln and think, I wanna be that. I wanna be a good this. I wanna be a good that uh, just because. But us as Christians think, I want to be the best that I can for God. There's a, there's a big difference between those, those two phrases and those two quotes um, by Abraham Lincoln and in this, this passage. And so for, as followers of God, we desire to do all things for God and our position fuels our ambition. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna dissect that phrase a little bit. Uh, we're gonna go back to Colossians 3, 1 through 4 and, and read that to get a little bit of context. This is explaining our position as Christians. The first four verses of Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So as Christians, this is explaining our position. And if you realize at the very beginning of this passage, it starts with the word if. And if means that you have to do something. So some people are not, are not, have not been raised with Christ. And for some people, they have been raised with Christ. And so there's, you see these two different kinds of people, people who have been raised with Christ and people who haven't. If you haven't been raised with Christ and then these verses don't apply for you, then the rest of Colossians 3 isn't gonna apply for you either because the rest of Colossians chapter three is talking about 
here are some practical instructions on how to live out that life and how to live out the position. But if that doesn't apply for you, then you can go back to Colossians 2, because Colossians 2 is all about our position in Christ. It talks about being alive with Christ. It talks about being baptized with Christ. It's, it talks about dying with Christ. And, and so it's all about being this phrase, in Christ. Even if we just read two verses that stuck out to me, 2, 13, and 14 say, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. We read that verse if, we're, if, we're, if we've been raised with Christ and if we're in Christ, we read verses like that and we wanna jump up and down and say, amen, like that is awesome. But if we aren't, then people need to understand that before they can go on with Colossians 3. But we can continue on with Colossians 3 knowing that Paul is talking to us and here are some, here are some practical instructions. And so ver- the first four verses of chapter three explains our position in Christ. And then the rest of Colossians 3 talks about our ambition to be more like Christ in the way that we live. We're not gonna read it all. We're gonna, we're gonna jump down to the passage we're at starting in verse 18. But if we were to read it all, you can see all kinds of action words. Um, it even talks about how we should put on, the, put on like, like clothing almost this new, this new life of living, living a more Christ-like, a more God-focused life. And, and you can read that and there's all kinds of um, practical ways that we can do that. But if we were to jump down to Colossians 3.18, and we're gonna, we're gonna start there and read through verse, chapter four, verse one. Wives, submit to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as to the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid, pack, will, will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your slaves justly and fairly, knowing that you have a master in heaven. And so I want to look at this passage, and I, and I, want, to, uh, I want to talk about, we've already talked about our position, and I want you all to understand that our position in Christ fuels our ambition to be more like Christ. Let me repeat that again. Our position in Christ fuels our ambition to be like Christ. And so having that in mind, we can look at this passage here, and I want to focus in on the one role of worker. It, it talks about wives, it talks about husbands, it talks about children, and in one way or another, all of us fit into, the, into one of these categories. We're all children, and we're all workers. And you might notice that, that, our, that our version doesn't say workers or employees, it actually uses the words bondservant, uh, and while that is a whole other topic in itself, I want us to understand that when it does say bondservant, essentially the role of a bondservant was to, to work for the necessities of life. So instead of getting paid like we do with a monetary check every two weeks or whatever, they were having provided for them as their reward, 
They were getting paid the necessities like food, clothing, shelter. Uh, but this passage isn't exactly talking about our job title. It's talking about how we ought to be working, the way, the way we should be working. And so when we read this, uh, our role as employees and as workers can be applied to, this, to these passages or to these verses as well. And so, uh, and, and, the, and you could say that, that verse 23 is talking about all those different roles. You know, we want to be working heartily and we want to do all things enthusiastically, whether we're, whether we're husbands, whether we're wives, whether we're children, parents, workers, masters, whatever we do, we want to do all things enthusiastically for God. But for me, when I read this, it, it uses phrases like work heartily, and then in, in verse 24, it says, knowing that your reward will be the inheritance. And so I see this, this, this commonality that, that points me to worker and employee. And so I wanted to focus on, on that. And I want to answer the question, how can I glorify God at work? And so, uh, and this matters, because if you remember from this morning, Josh and his sermon was talking about, we are uh, people who are redeemed through Christ. Uh, and so if we are redeemed through Christ, what about the majority of, the, like, besides sleeping, the majority of our time is spent each week at work. From nine to five each week, 40 hours, 50 hours, however long you work, you're spent at this job. So does that mean when we go to work, are we, we're not redeemed? Or, so how do, we, how do we, as Christians, go to our jobs every day from nine to five or whatever your hours might be, how do we do that with the focus of I'm a redeemed child of God and I'm living in Christ? And I want to point us to, I have three points of application and one point of encouragement that I want to uh, share with all of you. The three points are God calls us to work, God calls us to work hard, and God calls us to work hard for him. So God calls us to work. That's the first point. And if you notice, here in our passage, it says, whatever you do. It doesn't say if you do or if you're this or if you're that. It says whatever you do. And so nothing isn't really an option here. It's just implied that we are working. It's implied that we're doing something. And whatever we're doing, whether it's being a wife, being a husband, being a child, any of those roles, whatever we are doing, we want to be doing it for God. And so, and so work isn't optional. God was actually, God actually created work. If you, if you think back all the way to Genesis, to Adam and Eve, they were workers. Even before sin, even before they had sinned, God had, had, had given them work and it was good for them. And I believe it enhanced their relationship with God while they were, while they were in the garden. They were working and taking up the fruit and, 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 uh, and sowing the seed and doing all that stuff in the, in the, in the garden of Eden. And God created that. God God gave them that work and it was good for them. And we need to realize that, that work is good. God created work for it to be good for us. And then, as we know, Adam and Eve sinned and that, and that affected work. That affected the whole world and it affected their work. And if you remember, it talks about how it became hard for them to work. It even says that the ground was, was hard and dry and, uh, and now they were sweating and they were toiling and they were striving because sin had affected the world that they were, they were in, and so it affected the work that they were doing as well. And, and oftentimes, we shouldn't be surprised if we come home frustrated at work, 
because we live in a world that is surrounded by sin and that is affected by our sin as well. But God nevertheless has created work and, is, and says it is good for us. So I think that God calls us to work. And number two, God calls us to work hard. So if God calls me to be a bike racer, I wanna be the very best bike racer I can be. And if, if God calls me to be a pastor, I wanna preach as the very best that I can, can preach. And if, if I am called to be a police officer, I wanna be the very, very best police officer I can be. I wanna do it to my, my very best. And he doesn't, if you notice, he doesn't exactly say uh, that we're supposed to do this. It doesn't say, if you do this, then work hard. And it doesn't say, if you're a pastor, work hard. If you're a police officer, it says, whatever you do, work hard. And so he doesn't really care exactly what our job title is. He's more, God is more concerned with how we, how we carry out our job and how, what is the heart behind our job and, and how we do it. What is the manner in which we carry out our jobs? And he wants us to do it hard. He wants us to do it with everything we have. He wants us to do it with our whole hearts, with a sincere heart, with, with everything we've got enthusiastically, leave everything out there for God. So he wants us to do it hard. And I often joke with CJ, she doesn't like it when I say this, but uh, I'll joke and say, well, I'm not really good at anything except for spinning my legs in circles really fast and really hard and for really long amounts of time. And so I'm gonna stick to that. I'm gonna do that <laughs> as good as I can. And I'm even figuring out how to tell other people to do that and making that into a living. And so I'm gonna take whatever I'm good at and we each have our own different skills and abilities and, and the gifts that God has given us. And he's calling us to whatever we're doing, doesn't matter, lawyers, accountants, pastors, um, bike racers, teachers, students, Whatever role you might be in, we are called to do that role and to do it for Christ for, and with everything we've got, as hard as we can, enthusiastically as something done for God. Which gets to our third point, God calls us to work hard for him. And, and people are really, some people are really, really good at getting number one and number two, the work and the work hard. You know, I, we all know people who will work 50 or 60 hours a week, and then and there is a, a good balance between working hard and overworking, or not working at all and working hard, and, and that's another topic as well. And there, but there's some people that really, really understand how to work and how to work hard. Uh, but where they miss out, like we pointed to earlier with Lincoln, is that they miss out that it's all for God. The reason we work and the reason we work hard is for God and for His glory, and we want to do it all for Him. And that's what Galatians 1.10 was saying. Galatians 1.10 says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So we serve and we work and we do all things for God and for his glory. And it, and it made me think, you know, the apostles really did this well. When they described themselves, they almost always introduced themselves as Paul, a servant of Christ, or John, a servant of Christ, or James, the brother, and the servant of Christ. And so they were really good at, at using this job description of, you know, I shouldn't think of myself as Drew Dillman, professional bike racer, as cool as that sounds. I should think of myself as Drew Dillman, servant of Christ, 
and then a bike racer or a coach or whatever. That should be the number one thing, at least in my head, that's the way I should think of myself as, as a servant of Christ, which is, which is where I got that from in Galatians 1.10. That should be our job title. And if, if we wanted to look back uh, a couple books earlier at Ephesians chapter five, it, this is a parallel passage. It again, in, in, in Ephesians five, verses five, or sorry, Ephesians six, five through eight, it gives us another parallel of how we are called to work and what manner we are called by God to work in our positions and in our roles. It says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. If we were to look at some of those descriptors in that, in that passage, it says, it says to do it with fear and trembling, to do it with a sincere Heart. And one that really stuck out to me was, as you would Christ. Like, imagine this. If, if you went to work tomorrow, tomorrow's Monday, not looking forward to it. If we went to work tomorrow with, with instead of, you know, Daniel the manager as my manager, what if I went to work tomorrow and Jesus was my manager? And I was even thinking earlier, like, I can just picture, like, my little name tag. It says Drew Delman, employee, and then his would say, Jesus Christ, manager. And what if we went to work and Jesus was our manager? What if he was our boss? What, is, what if Jesus was the guy that we went to to take our orders from? That would change the way we went to work. That would change the way we looked at work. That would change the way we worked completely. I mean, we would go to work diligent. We wouldn't wanna let him down at all. Everything he told us to do, we would do it to a T. That's what it says, as you would Christ. And it continues and says, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, which is again what Galatians 10 was saying is, am I now trying to please God or am I now trying to please man? Because you can't do both. We wanna be people who are focused on pleasing God. So not doing it as eye service or people pleasers. And that is so relevant to today as well. I mean, like phrases like eye service and people pleasers, like that is, that hits home. That, I mean, so many times I'm thinking, I don't wanna be that. And then it goes on and says, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. And so again, God doesn't exactly care about what our job title is or our, our status is. He cares how we carry out whatever role we are in. He cares about how we carry that out. And he says to do it with a sincere heart and, with, and with, uh, to do it doing the will of God from the heart. So he cares about our heart, not exactly what we're doing, but the heart behind it. Which points me to another, another quote that I have at the front of my Bible that I actually got from a kid in Sunday school a couple months ago. Uh, and they said that this is something that their mom tells them all the time. And I thought, man, that is really good. And so I wrote it down. It says, it says when, when their mom tells them to go clean their room or gives them some kind of command, she says this after it, right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. I thought that was really good. I wrote it down. I'm planning on using it in a couple years with little, um, 
what's his name? Josh, DJ. He refers to our future kids as DJ. Um, and that's what I'm saying, right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. And so, uh, and, and the reason I say that is because, you know, cleaning your room is one thing, but, and cleaning your room with a grumbling heart and complaining and like, man, I can't believe I'm doing this. And you're, you're kind of like throwing your stuff here and there and you're, you're getting the job done, but you're doing it with a terrible attitude. Uh, and so I thought this really hit it on the head right away all the way, and with a happy heart. God wants us to do things right away, all the way, and with a happy heart. And so uh, we've got God calls us to work, God calls us to work hard, and God calls us to work hard for him. And then our one point of uh, encouragement is that there is a great reward for our work. And, you know, I was, I was, I was digging around at my mom's house, and I came, up, I came across the book Desiring God by by John Piper, and so I read the first, uh, it had been a while since I had seen that book. I was kind of wondering, like, man, I lost that book. Where is it? And so I found it, and I was picking it up. I read the introduction, and I was reminded of that really famous C.S. Lewis quote, which is, which is rather long, but it says in that quote, um, it talks about how we are, we are so often like kids that are satisfied playing in the mud when we could be on a vacation on the sea. And John Piper sums that quote up by saying, I had never in my whole life heard any Christian, let alone a Christian of Lewis's stature, say that all of us not only seek, but also ought to seek our own happiness. Our mistake lies not in the intensity of our desire for happiness, but in the weakness of it. So as we, as we work hard, we work hard for Jesus, uh, you know, looking back on it, I wish I had memorized Galatians 3.24 for as many years as I've had Galatians 3.23. If we were to keep reading, it says, whatever you do, work heartily, ask the Lord, and not for men. But in verse 24, it almost gets even better. It says, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward, and you are serving the Lord Christ. And it's okay to look at that. You know, as Christians, a lot of times, and, and this is what Piper was talking about in his book, is a lot of times as Christians, we get caught up in like, I wanna be as selfless as possible. And I wanna, what, what else in my life can I give up? And what else can I sacrifice? And it's all about taking away. And what John Piper is trying to say is, that is good, but even better than that is, what if we were so focused on happiness and satisfaction and desire and that pointed us to God. And he, and he ultimately goes on to say that our ultimate satisfaction, our ultimate desire is found in God. And so as we, as we look at this and we see the word reward and inheritance, we shouldn't think that those are bad things. We should think, man, I want those. I want to be rewarded for my hard work. And I, I want to get an inheritance for all the hard work I'm doing. I don't wanna just work forever and not receive anything. I don't think any of us would take a job that, who, where the, the, the wages were $0 every hour, that would be kind of silly. We all work for some kind of reward, and the reward we get for working hard for God is, is, is second, I mean, it is beyond anything we can compare. I mean, it's beyond any hourly rate we can think of. And I want to, I want to point, I want to uh, read Matthew Henry. He has a quote that I really, really nailed, thought nailed it on the head when talking about this. He says, Observe, we are really doing our duty to God when we are faithful in our duty to men. And for servants, encouragement. Let them know that a good and faithful servant 
is never the further from heaven for his being a servant. Knowing that of the Lord, you shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ, which is verse 24. Serving your masters according to the command of Christ, you serve Christ, and he will be your paymaster. You will have a glorious reward at last. And though you are now servants, you will receive the inheritance of sons. And I thought that was really, really good. We work hard knowing that we are sons of God and we are in Christ. And if we are in Christ, then we are going to inherit that inheritance as sons of God. And so tomorrow marks another Monday. I often hear Josh talk about how hard Mondays are for pastors. And, and I often think, well, isn't Monday hard for everybody? Uh, you know, you just had two days off, off, and that, that usually means you were running around to baseball games, you were uh, going out for way too long to ride your bike. And so usually, sometimes we're more tired on Monday morning than we were when we got off on Friday, and the weekend that was made for rest actually made us more tired. And so tomorrow marks another Monday. Um, it's, it's gonna drag, I'm not looking forward to it. We've gotta wake up early, whereas this morning we might have got to sleep in. And so tomorrow is Monday, we're not looking forward to it, but I want us to know that even tomorrow, even as tomorrow comes around, the next Monday, that we can go and we can work, we can work hard, and we, work, we can work hard for God. And we can use that, that not so fun Monday uh, to glorify God through our jobs and through what we are doing. And may we serve Christ uh, tomorrow, even on a Monday, with all of our hearts, all the time, the right way, all the way, and with a happy heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you for uh, your word. God, that it encourages us and points us to, to work for you. Uh, to leave it all out there for you, to be the best bike racer, to be the best pastor, to be the best lawyer, to be the best parent, whatever it is that you might have called us into, may we be the very best at that. May we not do it as eye service. May we not do it uh, to try to please man, uh, but may, may the desire of our hearts be that we are doing all that we are doing for your glory, for your honor. God, like, like Josh talked about this morning, you are worthy of that. We want to worship you by, by our work and through our work and, and, and by the way that we do our work. Father God, we love you. Help us to love you more even tomorrow, even at our jobs. Help us to uh, live with a heart that does all things enthusiastically for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.